0: Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays. George, good morning. Good it's morning. Monday for us. It's yep. t- Tuesday for everyone listening. Text-driven Tuesday, but today's a for-real Monday. Yeah, <laughs> I had to. Get, I had to get the coffee going today, buddy. You need some coffee. Yeah, maybe. I
1: probably could have used some of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Oh man, yeah. It's a. It's a rainy dark dark day rainy dark day yeah and it was really raining yesterday but a lot of people came to church
1: yeah I was uh, I was happy to see that yeah it was uh yeah it was quite the downpour
0: they came in drenched to the yep. bone it's dedication
1: yeah yeah I was I was happy to see that I wasn't sure how many people would venture out yep supposed to get some more tonight
0: yes indeed well. It is text driven Tuesday. And we're back in uh 2nd Peter chapter 3 if you've been following along. And we come now to your text was 3:11 through 15, the first part of 15, 15a. What a strange break. Yeah. <laughs> and it and and in your Bible it breaks it at 13. But I can see that it all fits there together like that.
1: I mean the whole the whole chapter really just flows together. Right. It's it's hard to break it up, but in order to uh, you know digest it better, we yeah. we make we make divisions, but they're they're artificial divisions. Right. It's not like Peter sat down and was like, "Well, I'm going to take a break here." Right. Like Conclusion. It's, it's the whole the whole thing. It's it's fitting together, mm-hmm. and uh, so what we're doing is just trying to make it a little bit easier to to understand by breaking it into, into little sections.
0: Yeah. Sections you can it's like cutting up your food, right? Yeah. Cut your food into pieces. You don't stick a whole steak in your mouth. And so here we go. This is the third reason. So Last week, it's all about remembering. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ is coming back. There's a day of judgment coming, and we are to remember two things. Well, there were three things to remember, but you couldn't do all three in one. It's too big. <laughs> so you did two last time right. and one this time. Yeah. The two last time was we need to remember because pe- there are people that just want to forget,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? They don't right. want to. They don't remember this, right? And so you went through that, the false teachers and. Um, And what that can do even for us, we're prone to forgetting Mm -hmm. and what the effect that can have on us. Prone to forget. The second reason was so that we would use our time wisely. God's patient with us. Um, He's delayed his return. I think a demonstration of how merciful and gracious he is. And we ought to use this time we have wisely. Mm -hmm. And then the third is this text. And the third reason to remember that Christ is coming back and we should treat that as imminent, uh, is so that we'll live a holy life. Mm-hmm. Now, within this third reason, the standalone sermon, you had three points, and we'll go through those uh, points uh, this morning. Talk about, I'll make application. But before we do, could you read for us the text? Yeah. Uh,
1: so eleven through uh, the first part of verse fifteen says, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Okay, so in this passage, to understand it, um,
0: your outline is three descriptions of the kind of holiness that
1: we ought to have. <clears throat> yeah, you know, you, we we use this language of holiness um, quite often. And so we need to take a little bit more of a look at what, what exactly does this mean? What's it mean to be right. holy? I mean, holy means to be set apart. Right. Um for us it would be set of af- set apart for service. Uh huh. Um but uh and what what does that mean? <laughs> what does that look like? And uh, so Peter, in the context of um Christ coming, kind of lays out a little bit more of what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, it does.
0: Okay. Um, the first point is that, the description, we are to have a holiness that is actively waiting. Right. So what do you mean by actively waiting, and how does that differ from just waiting? Like right. when I go to the DMV and I sit there all day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I don't have a life to live, but I'm there for forever. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> cool. they always have that's that. They good. always have that little uh, sign. No uh-huh. cell phones. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm sitting <laughs> right. here for six hours. Yeah. I always bring a book. So
1: yeah. Well, that's, you, you can I mean, kill that's the whole a whole book at the DMV. Yeah. Well, that's that's actively waiting though, right? <laughs> that would be
0: yeah. That would be actively waiting, doing something with your time.
1: Yeah. So I think that um, the temptation for some Christians is to. Um, just separate from society mm-hmm. um, or you know um, as, as he as he talks about at the beginning of the chapter there's there's people that they deliberately overlook the fact that Christ is coming yeah and I think Christians can fall into that that mindset we in the back of our mind we know yeah we we believe that Jesus is coming uh, but in the meantime we we Deliberately forget it, and we live as if he's not coming. Um, and so we we're waiting, but it's not a it's not de- it's not a, an active deliberate waiting. Um, whereas Peter is talking about the fact that while we wait, we're doing something. Mm-hmm. I used the illustration of of Julia and I. Yeah, when I, we, I like uh, that when we got engaged. Yeah, hey, it was good. And you set the date and you don't just sit back and wait for the day to arrive because that would be real bad, right? <laughs> you got to, you got to prepare for that day. Yeah. Um, you've you've got to get the venue. Who's performing the service? Um, you know, we did premarital counseling um, and you pick out the flowers and the cake and the dress and the tuxedos and you choose the bridesmaids and the groomsmen and, and you Get ready for that day, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's that's what we're called to do. We're we are actively waiting for the day when Christ will come. Yeah, and in preparation for that, we're called to do stuff. Yeah, um, and uh, so we're not called to separate from society and just build our you know private little compound out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one day Christ will come, <laughs> and he'll take us away um we're supposed to actively be preparing for that. Yeah, preparing ourselves, yeah. Um I, I fear that uh, you know for for American evangelicals um evangelicals in the west the prominent the prominent uh theology for the end times is this rapture theology. Mm-hmm. And so people are waiting for Christ to secretly come and, and snatch us all away. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're really just waiting to escape, but that's, that's not, that doesn't seem to be the theology that Peter is, is telling us to do, just sit back and wait for Christ to snatch us away. Yeah. We, when he comes, we're to be actively working. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you see that in, um. The parable of the of the talents in Matthew twenty five. Right, you've got yeah, the three yeah. servants. The master gives them talents according to their abilities, and then he goes away for a long time. And when he comes back, he takes an account of what they've done. And you've got the the servant that was given five talents. He's put them to work, and he has ten talents to give to his master. And the one who has two talents, he's put it to work, and now he has four. Mm-hmm. But you've got the 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 servant that w- received one and he goes and buries it in the hole in the ground mm-hmm. and when the master comes he digs it up and here's your talent back right and um he's not he's not commended for that yeah um the, the master chastises him for that you could have at least put it in the bank and I could have gotten interest for this instead you what have you been doing while I've been gone <laughs> you haven't you haven't been doing anything you just took the talent and you you buried it and then you just passively waited for me to come back um, that that's not what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to be actively working mm-hmm. as we wait for Christ to come. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's interesting what he uh, what he says here in this verse. Yeah, that so, we're we're waiting mm-hmm. and hastening the day of God.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting. That may people may not catch what that word means. Not a not a word we. Use a lot. Make haste. Make haste. Yeah. When, whenever, whenever Hastening. Drake's out on the baseball field, right, and he's running off the field, I, I don't, you don't hear the coach say, "Make haste." <laughs> do you remember the? Uh, do, you, do you remember the? <laughs> that, that would be interesting. Be that. I'm going to try to get him to do it.
1: I'm going to talk to. <laughs> Hasten the second base. <laughs> Make haste. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that old uh, hymn? I will hasten to him. Mm. You remember that? I actually,
0: no, I don't. No. Sing it for me. See if I can recall it.
1: I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. No, not ringing. No, I just wanted you to sing. You just wanted me to sing it. (laughs) I didn't think you would actually do it. Hey, if you can sing, uh, what were you singing on Friday?
0: (laughs) Oh, I was singing the uh, song from uh, Toy Story. Is that what you were singing? You've Got a Friend in Me?
1: No, no. You were singing uh, uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door.
0: Oh, yeah, on, <laughs> on the podcast.
1: Yeah, mocking yeah. that guy. Yeah, you were. Yeah. If you can sing if you can sing Guns and Roses, I think I can sing an old. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, what does this look like then? Well... To I, actively wait, and he says, doing this, yeah, haste, you hasten, yeah, You hasten the return of the Lord. Right. Let's talk about that. What does... The, that's a big thing. But so yeah. before we get to the hasten, okay. Just just tell us what do you think Peter is getting at in doing that?
1: Well, I think he's he's spurring them on to do good deeds, mm-hmm. good works. Okay. Um go back to First Peter and you can it's all over First Peter, right? The mm-hmm. the way that we're supposed to live in um in in Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we're supposed to be those who are um, are diligent to pursue good works. Yeah, um, so that the unbelieving world will see our good works and give glory to God. So we're supposed to be good, good uh, citizens. We're supposed to be good husbands, wives, obedient children. Um, we should be good neighbors. We should just be good. Christian citizens I mean we should be a blessing to the city that we're, that we live in yeah um, that that's all over first Peter yeah so I, I think that's I think that's in the, said, ba- the background of of what he's he's saying here you know, you said there's nothing extraordinary <laughs> yeah it's just it's just everyday stuff everyday stuff yeah yeah and uh that that gets looked down upon it does we want to be we want to do these extraordinary things. And uh, I, I, we see that in the culture, uh, you're a housewife, you stay at home and take care of kids. Mm-hmm. But that's not, that's not anything um, special in lo- this world.
0: I love that uh, there's a meme. It says feminism, um, telling little girls they can be anything they want to be when they grow up. Yeah, little girl, uh-huh. I want to be a homemaker. Right. Ew. Yeah. Anything but <laughs> that.
1: Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, the, that's that. the way that the world views, um, something that is <laughs> in the eyes of God, massive. Yeah. Um, I'm the, I'm, I, I benefit from the fact that my wife stays at home yeah. and cares for the home and, and cares for our children and homeschools them. And wow, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like she's the hero of the family. Um. Uh, she was she was out sick uh several weeks ago with the stomach bug, and <laughs> the whole family is is um just in chaos yeah. My dad's just trying to keep the kids alive <laughs> mm-hmm. while while uh, while mom is sick um this is not a small thing yeah and she does this for the glory of god and mm-hmm. she she it's very evident I watch her and she does it because she loves jesus mm hmm that's not a small thing even if the even if um you know our society says that this is like why would you why would you do this you could you could have a career you could like what about your fulfillment right and um goodness she she does this she serves her family and Mm -hmm. and she's a godly mother and wife right and she's uh <laughs> she's she's someone like this,
0: you know what I th- find to be interesting about uh the way society looks at Christian women that do that that are that do which my wife doesn't do that right now. she did in the first um <clears throat> until I went to seminary <clears throat> she had to go back to work when I went to seminary, yeah we both were working, but uh when I was in the army, we would <clears throat> our family wouldn't have survived if she didn't do that <laughs> right I mean she took care of everything yeah. in the house and I was deployed I was gone right. I was gone for over half of Drake's life. By the time I got back from deployment, and I mean, there's just no way. I right. mean And if and if she's like you said, if she's sick, mm-hmm. like chaos. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's rough. And then they say, well, they do that because they can't do other things. That's usually what the world says. Yeah. They can't. They can't do other things. So, of course, you know that's whatever. Mm. They that they try to belittle. Right. You know. Yeah, they do. But of course, they can do other things. Yeah. They just choose to do that. Yeah, and take care of their family. And
1: you see the chaos in uh, in families, un, you know, in the world today, and mm. and it makes you realize that these unbelieving women can't do what what our wives do. Yeah, one thing yeah. I really love you brought this out about being uh,
0: the the, and I hope my kids get it because I'm always reiterating it <clears throat> with them, and we have a lot of lot of children and young young kids at our mm. church, so I hope the parents will do the same thing. To teach your children that to be a Christian in the world is just to do... You don't have to be extraordinary, yeah. right? We can get into this idea that if we aren't radical Christians, mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not serving Christ's kingdom in right. the world. Um, that is not a great way to look at things. right? It's to do, wherever you're at, wherever God places you, to be excellent, right, right. You don't have to be better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You just need to not be lazy, work diligently, be honest, have integrity, and uh, be the best person that God has made you. Right. And if you do that, people notice. Yeah. And one of the one of the highlights that I get that make me so happy is sometimes parents of other families will tell us um, or tell our kid. Um, like your kids not like other kids and mm-hmm. i love it cuz they see they notice something's different yeah and the only thing that's different about my kids than any other kids is that they're christians mm-hmm. and they're trying to live for god's glory mm-hmm. and that's it that's literally that's literally it they're still teenagers teenagers are difficult and yeah, they're dif- i mean they're very i didn't realize how difficult it would be people told me but that's that's the only difference and so i've been and they're not perfect, obviously. They've got teenager problems, but I love it whenever <laughs> other parents see, yeah. "Oh man, your kids—they work hard. They're respectful to adults." You know, um, that stuff has a compounding effect. Mm-hmm. Like when other, when people who aren't Christians see the world, then they see, "Oh, here's people—they're not like other people." That's a great. Um, Evangelistic tool yeah. and to that, the world.
1: Yeah, and that um, that that's for every Christian. Mm-hmm. We we get, I guess, we get discouraged because um, there's so many Christian leaders that make it sound like if you're not doing like David Platt's radical, right? Like if you're not if you're not giving up everything and going to help the you know underground church in China. What are you doing with your with your life? You're just wasting it. Right. You know, I I love uh, I love Michael Horton's um corrective to that his book's just called Ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I I think that it's I think it's it's just a great reminder that Christian wherever you are, whatever your job is, you could be working in fast food. Be a good Christian. Be a good Christian worker.
0: Yeah, Philip is a great example of that. Yeah. Everyone always says Philip's the best employee ever. <laughs> right. I mean, uh that should be true of every Christian mm-hmm. wherever they're working. Yeah. This is the best employee I've ever had. Yeah. What a testimony it would be. And it's not because like it's because they're actively actively waiting. Right. Right. Yeah. And
1: Yeah, right. um you know, we've got we've got all kinds of um, occupations at our church, mm-hmm. and uh, our message to them is is just be faithful. Mm-hmm. Be faithful to the Bible. Be a good be a good worker or a good student um, wherever you are providentially. Um, just just be faithful and, and don't feel don't feel like you're um, you know somehow wasting your life. Because you're not you know sneaking Bibles across the border to Iranian Christians right <laughs> right yeah yeah uh, be be faithful where God has placed you right, yeah, and yeah. it gives it gives God glory
0: it does there's there's often a desire to do more <clears throat> to well, we probably should save some of this for when we do the female pastor thing. But I, I think what feeds into that a lot is Heads up. That's what's that, coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you're not less than if you're not a preacher. Right. Not even yeah. close. Right. Not even close.
1: We're not we're not super Christians at all.
0: You shouldn't put you should not put um your pastors on a different tier than everyone mm-hmm. else. Well you should look at a pastor is like we've well, talked about it before, is a part of a part of the body, yeah, has a vital function, right? Um, but, like, say, a, say, a pastor is a hand. Who knows? Or maybe, <laughs> maybe a tongue. Okay. Let's say a pastor is a tongue. It, the voice, yeah. right? Okay. Um, but you can't, you can't talk if you don't have a brain <laughs> right. or any other, you know, parts of your. Mm-hmm. Or
1: your body, your teeth,
0: or your lips, or whatever—it just doesn't work, right?
1: <laughs> Who are the teeth in the church, Jay? <laughs> Who are the teeth? Mm.
0: They've got to be structurally sound. Oh no! <laughs> They've got to be tough, able to bite if necessary. Who would it be? <laughs> I don't know. Let's not. Let's not go there. Let's so we us not get in trouble. But. That's the idea. I mean, I remember doing this before um, I went to before before I even I was called into ministry. After I was a Christian, I was thinking, Oh man, you know, I'm just a I'm just a regular soldier in the army. I can't do a lot, mm-hmm. which was totally not true, <laughs> right? Because I, you know, I was able to have a Bible study and mm. I had atheists at that thing, and I so I was able to do stuff back then. I can't pull off now. Just because I was around a variety of people, right. I'm not around a variety of people like that anymore. Yeah. So, just you can't look at yourself that way, and I think sometimes Christians do. You never, never underestimate the impact for the kingdom.
1: Yeah, God's got that, you. God's got you in a particular place for a particular reason. Right. Instead of um, pining away for something that you think is better, mm-hmm. um, looking at the grass being greener somewhere else that's wasting that's wasting your your life mm-hmm. um being faithful where god has put you that is um that's that's not waste that's not wasteful at all
0: no absolutely not um so hastening it how does being how does doing this actively waiting he says uh that we can hasten this day yeah. how how does this happen
1: right <laughs> this is this is um Peter. Well, what does hasten mean? Peter has Peter has been much more challenging. Second, Peter has been much more challenging than I originally thought. I keep running across things that (laughs) I'm like, okay, (laughs) what does what does this even mean? Yeah. Um, And here it is again, Mm -hmm. and it's just every week. Um, Well, uh, it could be used adverbally, So eagerly waiting. Okay. Uh, John MacArthur takes that waiting for it eagerly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So anytime you're anytime John MacArthur has a different <laughs> different interpretation than you, you have to do a little bit more research. Um Calvin had kind of a similar view, mm-hmm. taking it more we're supposed to we're supposed to be um waiting with haste, I think is how he interpreted it same same thing eagerly waiting Mm -hmm. uh but uh the the majority of commentators that i looked at and this includes matthew henry and john gill um lloyd jones like some powerhouses um they they all said that this means to speed something up Mm -hmm. that's that's what the word means when you hasten something you're you're making it occur faster right um so the the word is used of the shepherds hastening to to see the baby. Uh-huh. Baby Jesus in Bethlehem, Zacchaeus um come down, hasten. Um uh Paul in his uh journey to get back to Jerusalem before Pentecost, he hastens to Jerusalem. So the the word just seems to mean to speed something up, and that's where we run into this this interesting idea that that. People probably have never thought of how do we speed up the day of God? How do we speed up the second coming? But that seems to be what uh, what Peter is is saying here is that while we're waiting, we can speed up the coming of Christ. Um, and so here we have to uh, we have to hold on to that tension between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. That there is a day set that Christ is going to come. Yeah, um, it is it's immovable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it there the, Christ will come at the day that God the Father has decreed that yep. he is he is set. Um, but what's so fascinating is that in God's sovereignty he has um, he has determined to use humans as a means to accomplish his purposes. Right. And we've talked about this, you know, many times before. Um so, from a human standpoint, from from God's divine standpoint, the day of Christ's coming is set. Uh-huh. It, it won't happen a day early or a day late. But from the human standpoint, um, as we're living godly lives, we are hastening that day so that it will occur quickly, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty astonishing. I think if we're, really, if we're really thinking about it. That... Your life actually matters, right? Like the way you live is not just a throwaway. Your your life, the way you live, has eschatological significance. Mm-hmm. Like the way you live actually moves time forward to the day of Christ, right? Um, that's why we pray, as Jesus taught us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. Like that's not a that's not a trite that's not a trite request. Like that's not that's not this empty request. When we pray that, we believe that God will actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, we're told in Matthew twenty four that the gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. Yeah. Uh, Romans chapter eleven, Paul talks about the fullness of the Gentiles and the fullness of the Jews coming in. Um, we're waiting for Christ to come. You want it to happen? Go out and evangelize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go out and preach the gospel because Christ will come when the gospel has gone out to all the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, when the fullness of, of the Gentiles and Jews come in, the end will come. Yeah. Um, wh- what you do, it, it actually has meaning. It actually has purpose.
0: Yeah, I remember the first time I saw, you brought up the example of Peter preaching in Acts, the beginning of Acts, and mm-hmm. he tells the Jews, Look, if you would just repent, God would send the Messiah. Yeah, right. He Christ would return, the end yeah. would come. If you would just repent mm-hmm. of your what you've done, yeah. Admit, acknowledge that Christ is the Messiah, that you crucified him, repent and accept Jesus. Yeah. It's a mysterious statement, isn't it? I remember the it first is. time I saw it, I was like, hmm. Right. Uh, <laughs> And yep. then I read that book. Um,
1: Apparently, this was the this was the commonplace um, rabbinic teaching. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, one rabbi? I think actually taught that if all the Jews and all of Israel would perfectly obey the law for one day, the Messiah would come. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we're not. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to go. We're not going to go there. Yeah. Um. But it, it seems like Peter in Acts chapter three he's he he. Is holding to that that view that mm-hmm. if Israel will repent, then God will send the Messiah and times of refreshing will come. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that same in that same sentence, he he talks about the fact that he must heaven must receive him until the day that um, was was prophesied. So there yeah. is a day, right? And Christ will come on that day. But in the meantime, if if Israel will repent then god will send the messiah. Mm-hmm. So you you've got you you can't we can't be lopsided in our view. Like we we want to be heavy on god's sovereignty, but that diminishes what the bible says about human responsibility. Right. On the other hand there's people that want to elevate human responsibility and they they diminish god's sovereignty. But the bible holds them in perfect balance. Right, yeah. And now we we don't like if we if we try to delve too deeply well, what does that mean? We're hastening the day, but God has already set the day, and how does that work? We, we're just called to hold it in balance the yeah. way that Scripture does. Peter doesn't go any further than saying waiting and hastening the day of God. A perfect example of this when these get out of balance is uh, is praying. Mm-hmm.
0: right? If you fall into the Side where you overemphasize God's sovereignty and diminish human responsibility, yeah. you'll end up at things like, "Well, there's no reason to pray, <laughs> right? Because whatever's God made, already knows, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Prayer doesn't really do anything, right? Well, that's not how that's not what the Bible teaches us, right? God has ordained what will take place, but He's also ordained that when you pray that affects the outcome of what happens, that he
1: responds to his people when they pray. But he's factored all of that in. Yeah, God's sovereignty is is so big that it encompasses every free decision that you and I will ever make. And then on the other hand, if you
0: diminish God's sovereignty and you overemphasize human responsibility, well, then you'll believe to think things like um, my prayer
1: Changes uh, it, God's it, mind. It can
0: yeah, it changes God's mind, but also I can wield prayer and faith like a force mm-hmm. and make things happen <laughs> right. if I really believe them. Right. And so then you end up in the word of faith camp. Mm-hmm. So you don't
1: want to be in either one of those extremes. Right. Yeah. You we wanna be, we wanna hold it in balance the yeah. way that the biblical writers hold it in balance. Mm-hmm. And they don't try to delve too deeply. Um, even Calvin warned against Delving too deeply into these things, mm-hmm. like there's a mystery to this, mm-hmm. and uh, we we're not uh, we're not privy to all this information. Right. We simply want to accept the balance <clears throat> that the scriptures lay out for us. Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: Good. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next uh, your next point. A uh, description of holiness uh, number two. This is a holiness that has within it a, a eternal perspective mm-hmm. a holiness with an eternal perspective and this comes from uh verse 13 so verse 12 though let's talk about verse 12 before we jump into 13 cuz they're kind of they're very much linked right uh, yes verse 12 uh the day of god uh the he- because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn mm-hmm. so what is this like? What do you think this is like? oh goodness <laughs> do you think do you think literally all of uh the physical realm encompassing all of space uh, will be uh atomized, particleized down to where it's melted to nothing?
1: That seems to be what Peter is saying. Um, there's there's been two different thoughts throughout church history. And I, I don't know. I, I couldn't list the the people that that came down on on both sides. But there's there's the idea that God is going to completely destroy everything and make a completely new heavens and and earth. Um, there's the other that this is a fire, more of um, purification, mm. and um, the the base. He's gonna just burn it down to its just basics and then renew it. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> yep. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's super important. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there's other people that would make, uh, make this, you know, an extremely important difference. But, uh, it, it seems from what Peter is saying that the, this creation is going to be torn down to, um, down to its very atoms, to its very particles. Okay. And God's going to create something brand new.
0: So uh, however that process takes place, we don't It's know. going to happen
1: through fire. It's going to happen through the fires of judgment. Uh. Um what's what's uh what is I guess the most important is that um the new by new it means this is um qualitatively new. Like it's it's completely different from what we have now Uh um so this world is fallen it's it's corrupt it's filled with death and pain and sorrow and uh the new heavens and new earth will not have any of these things right it will be it will be new Mm -hmm. it won't be um (laughs) pick on our presbyterian brothers and sisters when they talk about the new covenant <laughs> right. um it's it's just kind of new <laughs> it's just a different administration right of the same the same covenant right and so you know the Mosaic covenant is part of the covenant of grace mm. um that's why they that's why they sprinkle babies mm. it's because the new covenant it's not it's new but it's it's just new in its administration mm-hmm. um so now it's it's not just circumcision of a, a baby boys it's baptism of boys and girls yeah um that's not the kind of new that peter's talking about <laughs> it's not just it's not just kind of new like it's brand new mm-hmm. um and so forget everything that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be brand new right and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like yeah but we do know that it's going to be free of all of the effects of the fall.
0: Yeah, there are some things that I think we can know, yeah. um, such as the physicality of it. Yeah. Now, here's what what I find to be interesting: a tweet that I saw. Okay. Um, very. It's a, it's pretty sad. Uh, I should have screenshot it, sent it to you. But this lady says, "Why did no one? Uh, why has no one ever taught us this before?" So, as you look into the thread, what this lady, who apparently grew up in Baptist churches her whole life, okay. a faithful person. Um, had never been taught about the new heaven and the new earth. Really, I'm not surprised, mm. but it fits in. I mean, it, it's just I, I. When you don't get expositional preaching and it's topical every Sunday, you know, she may have never heard a sermon on the new heaven and new earth, and just thought when we die mm. we go to heaven. Yeah.
1: yeah well, when we're, when we're not systematic with our theology, um, we just lose sight of of where everything's going. And God created a physical universe you can touch things and see things and smell things and hear things um and god declared that to be very good yeah well that that didn't change with the fall Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he didn't say well the physical realm is now very bad (laughs) right you know this this we've adopted a greek philosophical view of the world Mm -hmm. where where the physical where matter is evil and the goal is to escape from this body to to be in the you know the pure spiritual realm, right and this 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 opened the door for a wide range of heresies in the early church where um, Jesus didn't take an actual physical body because that would have brought him into contact with an impure impure matter, yeah and so um, people like the docetists they would teach that you know when Jesus was walking on the, the sand by the, the Sea of Galilee, it looked like he was walking, but you look behind him and he didn't leave any footprints, yeah, because he was just this spiritual this spiritual being, not yeah. a physical being. That's that is not what the scriptures teach at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so if if that's if that was very good, then that's not going to change in the new creation. And we know this because Jesus physically walked out of the tomb. Right. Um, Jesus was he was raised with, uh, you know, he was given his resurrected body, Mm -hmm. but it still was a body. Right. And um, people could still touch him. Yeah,
0: physical body. It could be touched. He ate. He ate fish. We fish. We ought not to to uh, take this lightly because I think it's a major. Um, advantage. The new heaven and the new earth is a major evangelistic ad, uh, advantage that Christianity has over other religions, mm-hmm. all other religions. Yeah. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he talked about before he was a Christian, he's like, I just don't understand how Christians uh, want to have this place be gone. <laughs> right. And he was thinking, because there's so many good things here. Yeah. You know, there's... Music and mm-hmm. art, and there's community and right. fellowship and friendship and food
1: and all these yeah, smells. You, you and- see the you see the presentation of heaven as people just sitting in this cloud domain. So we we're talk- <laughs> we we're talking about this in our community group on Sunday, and and uh, my wife she said that when she when she hears this kind of um, ethereal vision of heaven, she thinks of the Care Bears. Okay. You remember the Care Bears uh-huh. up in their their cloud, their cloud land. Yeah, and uh, she that's that's kind of how she she thinks that people view it. Yeah. Like you're just walking around on clouds, and there's not really anything to do, and it's it's really nondescript. Like there's no background, right? Mm-hmm. It's just there's nothing there. It's just a bunch of clouds, and I think that's what people think heaven is going to be like. They think it's going to just be us in this cloudy domain in uh, and we're just going to be spirits floating around and and goodness if someone thinks that that's boring, I agree. <laughs> that sounds super boring. Mm. That's not but that's not the biblical presentation of of new creation. God is going to um he's going to bring in a new heavens and a new earth and we're actually going to live on this new earth. Yeah. And I imagine there's going to be Grass and trees and flowers and animals and everything about the
0: human body is designed, yeah, to live in an environment. Yeah,
1: you're not, you're not, uh, you're, you are a body soul unit. Yeah, you're, you're not meant to be, death is unnatural. Yeah. You're not meant to be separated from your body. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to have a body and a soul. Um, Paul in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 he describes being um being dead without a body as being unclothed. Unclothed, yeah. And and we we long for the day when we'll be clothed. Yeah. And God, uh, that that's what uh, that's that's what <clears throat> Peter is saying here according to his promise we're waiting for a new heavens and a new earth. We're not waiting for you know cloud city. <laughs> we're waiting for a physical realm.
0: Yeah, this physical realm in which God dwells with us, yeah, um, and we enjoy with Him fellowship and community and camaraderie with our uh, fellow fellow human beings, yeah. and, and and there's no more strife, turmoil, sickness, death, disease. But there's also everything that's good about this world mm-hmm. that's there. Uh, when God said everything was very good, He really meant it. I All thought right. about this because of me losing my sense of smell from COVID. Yeah. Man, you do not realize how much God has blessed us with uh, smell and taste Mm. until you can't anymore. Yeah. We Um, take it for granted. If we we just evolved, there's no reason for this broad spectrum of tastes that are all very, very good. I mean, such a variety. Right. And a variety of smells that are so good and pleasing. And it's meant that we would worship God who gave these good things. If we evolved, all we would need is... It smells fine. Yeah, it's not going to kill me. Or that smells like it can kill me. Yeah. Or I can taste that. Oh, that's that's poisonous. It's yeah. bad. It's going to kill me. Or oh, it's okay. I can eat it. Yeah. You don't need the variety of <laughs> taste and smell, <laughs> right? To survive. Yeah. You just don't. There's no explanation for it. Yeah. God gave it to us. It's very good. The new heavens, the new earth, is a powerful evangelistic tool because every philosophy. Including Marxism is looking for uh, a, some type of a utopia. Mm-hmm. They know something's wrong within this world and they want to fix it. Right. All of them. The Christian has the answer. Yeah. And, and the answer mm-hmm. is that in Christ, all things will be made new. And uh, this is going to be incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, it's powerful. And that's. That should be on our mind. We ought to be living as part of our holiness, a description of our holiness. Also, you have number three. There's a, This is a holiness that has a zeal for the real gospel. Right. Is that right? Yeah. A holiness that has a zeal for the real gospel. Okay. And so now explain that to us. You got this from 14 and, and 15a.
1: Yeah. Yeah, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Okay. Um, So last week, you and I and a couple of other guys in the church listened to a sermon from a a pastor in this town, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, he was, there was no gospel. He mentioned Jesus twice, and it was, never in the context of the gospel and so that was in my the back of my mind while I was I was thinking about this verse okay um, because he was very legalistic
2: mm-hmm.
1: which I thought well at least he's not antinomian at least he sees the the goodness of the law yeah. right um, but there was no gospel. So it's it's do this and be blessed. If you don't do this, then you'll you'll be cursed. Yeah. And uh that that kills. Like that that puts a burden on people that they they simply can't bear. Um but the the uh the temptation is to swing all the way the other direction. Mhm. Well, we don't want to go there, so we want to just get rid of all of this and it's all just trust in Jesus and you get to go to heaven. Yeah um sure get out of hell free card. Right. And it's it's a Christianity that has no cost. And so we see, you know, youth camp, uh, these these teenagers walking the aisle and saying a prayer and and crying and <laughs> they you know they've asked Jesus into their heart. And then the next summer they do the same thing over and over. You know, it's it's just a this cycle of of you're either I wasn't a Christian before, so now I'm a Christian, or you're rededicating yourself, and and it's all because it's, it's this Christianity that doesn't cost anything, it's just this easy believism. Um, so when you look at verse 14, it's undeniable that Christianity demands something. Peter is telling them to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I, I wanted to have this balance of it's not to it's not, uh, get rid of all commands. Because you can't make sense of half of your New Testament if you get rid of the commands. The the apostles are telling us to do stuff.
0: Now Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Right.
1: Um, so it's, And so we, we can't get rid of it, and, and, um, and we don't want to swing the other way either and be legalistic. But we want to have a, an accurate understanding of what legalism is. It's not any command. <laughs> like anytime you hear a command, well, don't want to be legalistic about this. Like, it's not legalistic to obey the Bible Mm -hmm. and do what what Jesus and the apostles tell you to do. Um, But we do have to have it connected to the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, So the real gospel, the true gospel, is a gospel that um, you're not saved by your works, but good works, um, it just naturally flows out of someone who has... Accepted the the true gospel. Who's believing the real right. gospel? You you can't you can't say I I've trusted in Christ and then live however you want to live. Be uh, unchanged.
0: There's a uh, remember Jesus and the lepers. Mm-hmm. He heals them all, but only one. Right. That's a great example. Yeah. There's only one.
1: Right. Who comes
0: to him, or even will go out and mm-hmm. and so that I mean when you when you do become a Christian, when if you do, um something happens to right. you right you're just not the same person anymore yeah you it's like uh well the 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 Jesus metaphor is of like different trees you got to go up to one tree and it's got a certain kind of fruit on it you go to another tree it's got a different kind of fruit so you go up to a Christian and you expect to be able to pluck fruit from it and if you go up to the Christian and all you got is thorns, something is not right. Right. Um, and you were very careful to, to distinguish, which is important. We don't do good works in order to to gain God's favor. Right. And that's the difference. That's mm. the defining difference in yeah. what, we're, what you're getting at here and what's always taught in the New Testament. <clears throat> it's not work and do good work and work and God will accept you. Right. And you'll be pleasing to Him. It's that... Um, there's really nothing pleasing in you <laughs> yeah. um you're a sinner and god set his love on you saved you redeemed you and now because he's done that that produces in you something because he's given yeah. you his spirit yeah and so now what flows from that is a is a return of love and the return of love happens in obedience yeah yeah out well, of yeah. out of gratitude
1: yeah yeah, so we we got to be really careful about this because so many Christians they hear the demands of of the scriptures and they immediately say, well, I, you know, that's legalism. Mm-hmm. Like you're, we're not to be legalistic. Legalism mm-hmm. is adding something that the Bible doesn't tell you to do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the just the immediate example is the Bible doesn't tell you not to drink. It says don't get drunk. But there are people that, um, if you want to abstain from drinking, that's that's fine. That's that's good. Um, in many cases, it could be wise. But when they demand that everyone abstain from drinking, because that's that's what they think um, they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you'd be, you've you've opened the door to legalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's a lot of um, you know, we've got a lot of people that. At our church, that come from an, an IFB background, you know, Independent Fundamentalist Baptist, and they've told me about um, you got to use the King James only. Uh, you have to dress a certain way.
0: Some of them are are they still no uh,
1: no pants? Well, they they got to wear something, Jay.
0: Well, dre- <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> No, <laughs> yes. no pants for ladies. Right. They got to wear like they gotta long wear, you got to wear
1: dresses or culottes apparently. Culottes, yeah. Apparently culottes are. Okay. <laughs> um yeah, uh you got you got to wear you got to wear clothes a certain way. You got to got to get that haircut, Jay. Mm. You can't have no earrings. Can't have can't have, can't have crazy crazy hair, yeah, tattoos. I mean, you just run the gamut of of things that uh, that that becomes legalism because the Bible doesn't speak about things like that. Right. Uh, be modest, but it doesn't have like a list of things that are acceptable for you to wear um and uh so that's one that's one way in which legalism creeps in but another is to just divorce it from the gospel mm-hmm. like you said it we're not doing good works to be acceptable to god but we do good works as a result of the fact that you've been born again yeah like the language of Scripture is that you've been born again, you've been regenerated. Um, God has written His law in your heart. That's that's one of the promises of the New Covenant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever that means, it can't mean less than the fact that you're now going to be obedient from the heart. Right. <laughs> like it can't mean anything less than that. Right. Um, but it's connected to the gospel. Yeah. It's it is grounded in what Christ has done for you. You're not producing this. You didn't write the law in your own heart. God has done this by his spirit, right. so now you're called to do this. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that uh, the NIV, and I got some slack from people from using, <laughs> the, <laughs> from using the NIV uh, yesterday, I think the NIV makes it a little bit more clear how, how closely linked this is to the gospel. Um, so then, dear brothers, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? How can you be at peace with God? It's only through the gospel, right? How can you be spotless and blameless? It's not something that you can do on your own. It's only something that's the product of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I love that you can go back to First Peter chapter 1 and look at um, verses 18 and 19, and you see that that we've been redeemed, we've been purchased not with silver or gold, but by Christ, a lamb who is without spot or blemish. Yeah. The one who's without spot or blemish has died, so that now you can be without spot or blemish. Mm-hmm. Um, and Now, because of that, be diligent to be who you are. You've been born again. You're, in, you're part of God's new cre- creation. Um, you have been cleansed, so now live um, diligently as someone who is pursuing holiness. Right and, and godliness. I think there's a, I think there's a little subtle jab at the the false teachers um, here when he says be found by him without spot or blemish, because you look back at chapter two and uh, verse thirteen, and he's called them spots and blemishes.
2: Mm.
1: Get rid of these, mm. <laughs> get rid of these false teachers. Don't. Right. There's no compromise. There's no. These false teachers have come in with their their uh, their false doctrine, their their heresy, claiming that there's no f- future judgment and this has led them to live these immoral godless lifestyles in light of the fact that Christ is coming get rid of these people they they have no part in uh in the true church because they are preaching a false gospel the true gospel is uh is that Christ has died for us so we're to live for him mm. um and uh so the holiness that we're supposed to have is not it's not a holiness of uh Well, Christ has saved me. I've walked the aisle. I've said the prayer. Um, Anytime I have a doubt, I'll just go back to when I said that prayer. True holiness is is zealous for the true gospel, and the true gospel is one that um, is accompanied by good fruit. Mm -hmm. That's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. He's done so much for us, and then as a response, out of gratitude and love, not not even out of uh, duty necessarily, though duty can play a role. I'm not like an anti-duty person, like John Piper. That's a bad word for him. Yeah, I think it plays a role. Right. Um, I think maybe because I view duty differently because of my time in the in the service. Because du- doing your duty can be a joy, and yeah. you can gain pl- and it and it's pleasurable yeah. to to do what you are called to do. Right. But out of gratitude and love. Because of what he's done, we seek to obey him, even if it it costs us something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if it means we have to deny ourselves. Right. And so we're we do that um, out of response. So it's right. good.
1: Mm-hmm. And so we'll finish next time. Yep. One more. Yeah, we'll finish out Second Peter.
0: What's a sneak peek? Do you have a sneak peek for us?
1: Um, he's going to bring us back to uh to the scriptures, the the uh. I think the primary command or imperative for the entire letter mm-hmm. is verse eighteen. It's okay. the last verse where we're to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Well, God has given us the Scriptures, and we, He's He's showed us that throughout the book. So yep. we'll we'll be looking at that. <clears throat> okay, one more, and then we'll
0: have. Josh King as a guest preacher. So yep. thanks for joining us today. If this has uh, been <clears throat> a blessing to you, please like, subscribe, and share. Maybe write us a review. That'd be helpful. And that's uh, our, our hope and our desire that uh, this, this is uh, blesses your life and it helps you to become more conformed to Christ.